Hello and welcome to the Guitar Hang Podcast. I'm your host, John Stancorp. Today I have the immense pleasure of sitting down with a true maestro of the guitar, Andy Timmons, a name that resonates with virtuosity and musical excellence. Andy's remarkable career as a guitarist, composer, and performer has garnered worldwide acclaim. From his amazing work with Danger Danger and Simon Phillips' Protocol to his solo work, Andy has consistently pushed the boundaries of what the guitar can achieve. In this exclusive interview, we'll delve into Andy's illustrious accomplishments, his unique approach to the guitar, and the passion that fuels his musical journey. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button below and ring the bell for notifications. Now, let's hang with Andy Timmons. That we both um, we both felt a kinship, maybe for me, different reasons, uh, mm-hmm. for studio players. They, those were my first heroes. Interesting, yeah. yeah. I, um, because my poor man's art collection was my albums that I would purchase as a kid. Mm. So when you're, this is pre-CDs uh, and all that kind of stuff. Well, and sure, yeah, so yeah. You're listening to the albums with your headphones on, but you pour through the liner notes and you're seeing what's played on what. Yeah. And um, I never could uh, look like uh, my favorite rock star guitar player. <laughs> Yeah, right. I always admired guys like um, Timmy May and Dennis Budimir and Dean oh, yeah, yeah. Parks and yeah, Steve Lukather. Although Steve definitely had the the rock look, but those guys just yeah. to me were like the special forces guitar players. They're sure. like SWAT, you yeah. know, because their reading chops and uh, what they had to bring to the table in terms of looking at a piece of paper that might just have the most basic of chord changes. Yeah. Ready, go, come up with a hook. Sure. Yeah. yeah those, how those, those guys made their mark on you? Well, you know, very deeply. I mean, um, like you, you know, the, my records were my, were my art collection and still are. But yeah, the endless uh, source of inspiration and, um, and kind of life direction and, and, the studio player thing was a big part of that. Why I chose to educate myself or seek out education at a certain point. Cause I'd grown up kind of self-taught. Um, you know, since I was about five, I started picking up the, the toy guitar around the house. My brothers had guitars around the house and whatnot. So and I, I'm learning by ear, you know, by, you know, 11, 12, 13, but, but by the age of you know 16 or so, I mean, I really knew that this was my life. And maybe like you, I, you know, I, I couldn't, I had no fantasy of, of even wanting to be or trying to be the rock stars I saw on my favorite records, you know, but I love the guitar so much, but because of Guitar Player Magazine and Tommy Tedesco having that, you know, studio log column yeah. back in the seventies and, and then becoming aware once I, once I, you know, heard uh, Larry Carlton and I heard Steve Lukather, and knowing that they were session guys in, and that's how they made their living. And so, well, you know, that's maybe something that I could do. That's a profession that maybe I could do what I love. I could pursue the passion of music and guitar, but not, you know, you know, figure out, you know, a way to win the lottery, which would, that's what making in the music business kind of seemed like, you know, right. for, for, for many, many years, you know, for sure. Um, and that really was the key. And, and like you, it was, it became, you know, I was obsessed with anything Luke had played on. I would, I would pour over all credits in any used record store or record stores. And if I saw his name, I, it was instant purchase. I just had to hear, you know, what he get. There was one really cool record from a guy from Canada named David Roberts. It was basically Toto, you know, backing up this guy, which I'm, I'm assuming was the, a very similar lineup on many people's records was that, that core group with, you know, Jeff Beccaro, my top five drummer for me. And of course, Luke, the way those two locked in just absolute magic. So, yeah, I mean, and yeah, the, the, the type of mentality and knowledge it, it took for those guys to go on, go in a studio. Okay. Live first take, let's go. You know, and that, that informed how I treated the rest of my career. I still kind of have that in my head. Like, well, okay, we got to get it. You know, it's not always that way, of course, but it's awfully handy when it goes down live, you know, and when you capture that energy, I remember, I remember saying that to, you know, as I got to know Lukather over the years, one of my early comments to him, you know, at one of the NAM shows where we might've crossed paths was like, you know, man, that that's in solo on White Sister with the way you and yeah. Je- Je- Jeffrey lock in. He goes, yeah, dude, that was first take, man. You know, that was lies. Like, that's the way they did it. They just, you know, and and the instincts that takes to 
you know, to have to, to to create these moments, and that that was their own music. That's their band, but of the endless sessions that they did to on the spot, just have to come up with this magic. You know, it's really inspiring. You know, and still inspires me to this day. Yeah, the uh, those soul like breakdown dead ahead, and uh... that was my first. That's the first one where I go, "Who is this?" Yeah, and that, that was, it, 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 am I getting the chronology correct that that was not too far away from when "Hold the Line" came out around was, the same time? It would have predated it by about a year, I think. Cause this okay, is well, I remember hearing that and going, "This, who's that?" Because that there was clearly something more than what I was hearing, you know, from from Ace Freely and Ted Nugent. Right, <laughs> all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got that from like Carlton you for know? sure. Okay, all right. He will he will attribute a lot of things to to Larry, but then of course it's his it's his heart and it's yeah, his yeah. feel and his his thing. But we all get you know I'm certainly Larry's a huge guy for me too. Starting with Luke, and then when I heard the first you know uh, Carlton solo record, commonly called Room Three 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 Room Three Thirty Five, just one of the greatest guitar records ever. It's a textbook in bending and melodic playing and energy and direction. You know, there's so much so much to glean from that record. You know. Yeah, still, I still love to hear it. I uh, remember getting the uh, VHS tape of uh, Larry Carlton and the Steve Luther instructional video. Oh, yeah. Hot 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 yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and just seeing the, the rig that Luke was playing through and just being like, oh my, because yeah. compared to some of the other rock guys that were doing the thing, his sound, while well, he, he always, I talked to him about this, he, he said, oh man, that was just. I had everything in the rack turned on. Please, please forgive me. It was over. <laughs> it was the eighties. We were all doing it. Yeah. But yeah. That, listening to that, I just thought, oh my god, that 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 sound. And then the the way Larry would uh, approach improvisation of doing yes. the super arpeggio thing, you know, stacking major and minor triads, you know, moving on thirds and that kind of stuff. But so yeah, those guys were just. Um, incredibly exciting but then somewhere in the mix of that um i never thought i was going to be on stage dan jumping around and being like a look at me guy so david right. was a huge there you go pivotal thing and then so i've been doing a, a pink floyd tribute touring with that oh. for the last 15 years so that's been oh, a that's great right on man amazing blessing um yeah, yeah, yeah. so right around that time that you were listening to a the 70s listening to Louis, you were probably in college well yeah just just about so that would have been well, 78 what was that 15 16 okay yeah. so yeah mid, mid high school and just about to get into college yeah yeah evansville right yes sir yeah i'm a, I'm a hoosier I'm and hoosier. so i was fortunate that at the age of 16 i was already in a, a working band you know we starting off you know playing the, well Played the bars forever, still do, right? But you know, just playing the local bars and whatnot. But it was a, it was a steady, steady gig, uh, and you know, writing some original stuff, but also doing lots of, of a wide variety of covers. It was just the, the best possible experience because you know I was I I'd st I started taking lessons when I was into uh, into fifteen into sixteen. You know, learning how to read the basics. You know, my my teacher Ron Pritchett that I sought out in Evansville. Um, yeah, was teaching me to read, but he, he was a really good jazz player in the style of Barney Kessel and Joe Pass, and saw that I, you know, at, I, at that age I was already playing pretty solidly, and I'm gigging, so you know, I'm I'm getting it together. But he was really pivotal in not just the the, the reading thing, but also turning my ears on to other styles of music. You know, and uh, it was just I at that point it was really anything with guitar. I just was really drawn to it and attracted to it. Which eventually, when I started college, the, the local university offered classical guitar as a, as a as a major, and I thought, well, I know nothing about classical guitar, but mom would sure be happy if I stayed in school and I could <laughs> right. stay, stay in town. And we, by then, you know, the, my band, with the Taylor Bay Band, we were the kind of the local heroes, and we're recording, and so all these things were kind of firing at once. But I was just voraciously taking in whatever I could, regardless of the style. But um, yeah, that was that was just magic, magic years when you're really uh, that hungry to to learn. I, I, I kind of feel that I'm that same way now, though at the very mature age of sixty, uh, I still get first thing I do every day is get up and 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 challenge myself and, and practice and uh, always working on different techniques, stuff I suck at, which is there's an endless supply uh, of of things like that, and it's uh, it's it's humbling, but it's also you know 
you see those little bits of improvement in adding something to your your lexicon and it just it's it's so gratifying and just trying to get it to stay there you got to keep you know, working on it but it's the never ending uh goal of improvement you know and but it taking a lifetime to realize well okay you're never going to get there so stop being bummed out about not being where you want to be because that that really is the juice having the energy to pursue that but knowing that you're not going to get there but just to keep trying you know right I think the thing that would uh, attract uh, all of us to your style is that you can c clearly hear element. And this is the hardest, I think, thing to do as a guitarist is to take your influences, hmm. eld them into your singular voice. Yeah. Because I think we can hear some of the Eric Johnson stuff, yeah. maybe Pat Metheny, maybe huh. George Benson, maybe <laughs> But yeah. oh. when we hear you're playing, we hear all the all the bright spots of those guys while maintaining your own voice. That is a very diff difficult thing to do, and yeah. which leads me into one of the most beautiful moments that I've I've seen in the history of um, watching YouTube is when you made Dan cry <laughs> playing that piece of music. Well yeah, I instantly was... ran to, man to manuscript paper and I had to write that out because oh, I've played oh, that man. since then. My wife saw it, was like, yeah. what you, that's really awesome. And I'm like, you've yeah. got to watch this clip. It's sweet. That's so sweet. That, I, was, yeah. I, thank you. Man. Will that be a germ of an idea for a song? Like, because it's. Well, it is. It's that's that, and, and that was a that was a composed piece of music that I started to play just because we were getting into a particular vibe with a particular sound. I started playing that piece as, oh, this might be nice to play as an example. And I, you, there's a moment where I'm, I'm about to stop because I feel like, oh, maybe this isn't so interesting. And I look at Dan, and he's just he's unflinching, and he's looking at my hands. I, oh, I bet I should continue on. And that's and that and that's how it happened. But that's yeah. There's I've written a whole record of pieces not too dissimilar from that. Um, it'll eventually be, be it's it's called uh, the Outlier Nocturnes, the uh, the Bittersweets. It's kind of a two title record, but yeah, this, they're, they're very Chopin influenced. In fact, Here Lies the Heart is a direct reference to where uh, Chopin's actual heart is interred in a in a church in in Poland where that was his native country uh so but yeah it, it's it's amazing how that that moment was captured so beautifully and we literally did have to stop filming it was like you know cuz Dan it was he was a really moving thing and he's he but that that's his heart you know he's he's receptive to that feeling and isn't afraid to go there we've had he and i have, have gotten really, really close over the years and we've had moments like that where we're you know quite emotional in the music that we're into and the, and just the, just the human being that 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 he is uh and to, to be affected like that was it was very sweet and uh so now every time i play a piece of music like that i'll like look out dan's crying somewhere it's it's it's, it's become a thing you know that, that i hear about from people and it's, and it's yeah i couldn't be prouder of the moment just because i love the guy so much and i know he loves me to that same degree and uh so it was, it was pretty sweet but i gotta tell you okay and i think the sound was recorded fairly nicely but the sound in that room i can't i can't tell you what was happening um we we had like 30 minutes before we were going to start filming the segment and i was there to do some performances with the pedal show band and there was a couple of lone stars in the room had my pedal board but Dan and I were like, man, we've never really had a time to to tone quest and really go through stuff. I was like, let's try some different speakers. Okay, we tried some different speakers, but then we we hooked up. Mick had this. What he Mick uh, Mick was uh, using this two vertical two twelve Mesa cabinet okay. that had two two EV speakers in it, yeah. the really really heavy high wattage speakers, and you know rigged for stereo. We plugged the two heads of the the combo amps into the. And it was this massively beautiful, warm, clean sound that we we plugged it in, and, and Dan and I both got the the <laughs> chicken skin, the, the the hairs just just came up. And so when we were doing that, you know that that was the sound that was in the room. And again, you can never really capture that. You you know you got a couple of mics on some speakers, and it was okay. They they record the guitars quite nicely, of course, but I'll always remember that feeling in the room, and it was it was that it was that emotional, you know. Yeah, sure. What. Well, at its core, those are the things that, um, if you can get to that place um, that supersedes 
the instrument and the technique. Right. I think it was George Harrison said that yeah. when Ravi walked into the room, Ravi Shankar, yeah. he was the music. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, there was that, a moment. That's, was, yeah. yeah. No, no, there was, there, I, 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 you bring up Ravi Shankar, it reminds me very vividly of, of an experience I had, like Dan had with my music. I was in Perth, Australia. I was on tour with Olivia Newton John, and we had a night off. And uh, we just went down to where there was going to be a band playing at a club. We lasted one song. It wasn't that happening. So we went down to this little street where there was some, some, some pubs and shops. And there was this little shawarma place. And we'd gone in to get some food. And out, outside is this very elderly Indian man playing sitar. Yeah. And I stood in front of him. And within a minute, I was weeping. And yeah. I, couldn't, I, I couldn't figure out what that was except – what you're saying about how George felt about Robbie, that's what it was. It was, it was one of the most pure musical experiences I've ever had, you know, and I'm very sensitive to ego. And I'm very sensitive to, you know, reasons other than the purest intention with music and, and the emotion that it can evoke. And when I, when I witnessed something like that, it was just, and he, and he just looked at me, he goes, I understand. And, that, and that's all he said. <laughs> it was. I'm well. I'm welling up now thinking about it. But it's it's amazing. You know what 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 really pure music can do to you, and the fact that we're we're sitting here talking about it. Clearly, this is you know a very important part of our of our existence. You know, I I, I often I'll post every now and then. I'm just I'm so thankful to have music and guitar yeah. to have this this really positive thing in our lives when things tend to be just going off the rails, you know, um, it seems more important than ever. I guess I had, I had that experience this morning when the Peter Jackson video for the now and then single, the, uh, the, the recently released, uh, John Lennon demo doctored up by the, the surviving Beatles. Really, really special, really, really special thing there. Yeah. Just, just very thankful to have, these things that move us in that way in such a positive, positive yeah. way. When you're younger and you hear older artists saying that music has the power to change, yeah. you, you really don't. And then you, you sure. get life experience under your belt and then you, you've witnessed hmm. like your performance or whatever it might be that moves you. It could be a, for me, it's a, every time I hear, um, because it's my earliest memory as a human being hearing music oh, was uh, yeah. Till I Die by the Beach Boys. Oh, my God. What a wonderful that, or, or slightly scary song for it to be your first memory. Yeah, I, I remember. Like, and then uh, warmth, tune, of, yeah. warmth of the Sun. Those songs. Oh, my God. Those are. I didn't get those till much later in my life. And wow. Those are two very, very deep songs. Warmth of the Sun is. Yeah. Boring break that down and how he modulates it's freaking stunning yeah. and the fact that it was written wow. uh, for jfk's on the night that, of his assassination that's exactly right it's just uh but yeah when you hear that it that's the humanity what does it how's it was a start and see yeah it just it's 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 so it's so magical. The, well, Brian has had that gift, unlike just about any any other composer, to really get to that thing that we're talking about. You know, I mean, so, so much is said about the uh, the Pet Sounds record, which is again truly gorgeous. But Warmth of the Sun in my room, till I die, surfs up so much on that Smile record, as deep as it gets. You know. It, re it really, really is. But for those to be your first musical memories, that's insane. My my first musical memory is is the guitar solo for I want to saw I saw her standing there in the clip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, very, very different, you know. But again, there's that reverb drenched guitar, which you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm still I'm still reverberating today. Yeah. <laughs> big, well, big part of my foundation. The benefit for us, uh, for me being born in '65 and you being born in '63, I think '63, yeah. right? Yeah, correct. Um, was the fact that we were, I was uh, three when I probably heard that. So that was, yeah. that put it around 68 or so, but my, my mom was a single, single parent and we would drive around in her Mustang all the time oh. in the days when you could have a kid sitting in the front seat and <laughs> rolling, rolling around wherever, you know, but I remember clearly like hearing, um, uh, the band and, oh. 
Beach Boys, Temptations. Uh, but then you could you could also hear Miles Davis tune on the radio back. Sure. back. So there was no ghettoization of the musical genres. It was like it was all there for you. If it was good, yeah. it was it was on the radio. You might hear a Sinatra tune. You might whatever. Yeah. But that sure. definitely informs when you're coming up as a player. Above all, yeah. without melody, where would we be? Yeah. I love technical <laughs> stuff. Melody. Yeah. Whether it's you and the purveyors of that to the best for the best of us that we all look up to, you, Jeff Beck, just the lyrical players that have amazing technique, but also will never put their ego in front of the melody. Because that's at the at our core, the best that we could ever do is maybe not gonna quite be as great as the vocal. Because that's what I think what we're we're aiming for, right? to deliver the emotion of the, the vocal. Hey there. Our power, our power just like flickered. So okay, I'm just gonna send you a uh, an invite again. Yeah, I'm assuming I, I'm, it'll take my modem downstairs a minute to. Okay. Them. Let me uh, let me see if I've got internet back yet. It's just I said it to you. You should have it. There it is. Okay. Well, all right. Today is perseverance. Take two. What's that? I said perseverance. Take two. Me. Yeah. There we go. I'm joining. I'm joining. Okay. Let's see if we get this. We were talking about. There we go. Waiting in the lobby. No. Ah. There we go. All right. Reunited and it feels so good. Got to love the peaches and herb, right? So yeah, you were you're talking about the radio. How you, I mean, you know, thank God I'm a country boy into Killer Queen into nine to five. You know, it didn't matter if it was a good song back to back. You know, Commodores, uh, Earth, Wind and Fire. You yeah. know, to into Ram Jam <laughs> into you know yeah you, yeah it could be anybody. But yeah, and that's and, that, and that's how I felt. I guess that's maybe helped along with the jazz lessons, like it didn't matter if it was country or classical or jazz or whatever. I just wanted to know how to do it. And, and, and it, it, it all attracted me, especially, obviously it's a great tune. Um, as you were saying earlier too, you know, when you're younger, you tend to be more about, you know, I didn't get Django Reinhardt, you know, because it wasn't electric guitar and, you know, something uh, dexterous in that way. But but when I got around to it about, you know, 10 years ago, I was like, oh, man, this is as deep as it gets, you know, what this guy was able to achieve with essentially, you know, two two moving fingers and a, and a grip, you know, it's it's just just incredible. So a lot of it's it's got to do with maturity and your taste will change over time. And what you're what you're wanting out of music is going to be different, I think, at different parts of your life. So maybe at this point for us, you know, thankfully, we had that 
very melodic uh, and diverse musical exposure. Yeah. That's, you know, something that we're still drawn to and maybe more on a deeper level, you know, more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the your most recent album um mm. kind of interested in just such a great selection of tunes both um with vocalists and uh oh yeah yeah stuff but the, um, sure. the the song grace just <laughs> thank you man what a what a beautiful beautiful tune well, thank you that's uh yeah i've told the story but it's it's worth mentioning that uh, i'd gone to see it was one of those experienced Hendrix tours and, you know, I, I, Eric Johnson was going to be there, which of course he's a, he's a, a hero and friend and uh, Zach Wilde and, uh, and uh, good Lord, who else was going to be, this is just such a, a great array of, of players, buddy guy, you know, mm-hmm. but I was particularly really wanting to go. Cause I knew that Billy Cox was going to be there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the last surviving uh, band of gypsies or experienced member at that point. And, uh, you know, I thought well, it would be great to meet him, take a photo, have him sign my Band of Gypsies record. You know, I'm still a fan like that. I still, I still do these things. So we get there, and uh, me and a couple of friends went, and uh, we're just walking in the venue. It was like a, a casino just over the border from. I'm in North Texas, of course, and over it was the, the casino in Durant. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, is it Choctaw or is it? Uh, the yeah, it was the Choctaw exactly. Then there's I get the, that and the Windstar confused because they're both right over the border. Anyway, um, it was the Choctaw Durant. I remember because I, as we uh, as Buddy Guy was getting ready to go on, I was I was I was backstage because we were visiting with Eric Johnson and and it was kind of chilly, you know, backstage. And, I, and Buddy was about I was I offered him my jacket. I said, Sorry, it's not polka dot, man. You know, and he goes, Yeah, man, it's kind of <laughs> kind of chilly here. And he goes, Yeah, they don't call it Sweet Home Durant. <laughs> i got buddy guy to chuckle a little bit but going back so yeah we walked into the venue before the show started and there's billy cox and his wife behind the merch table they were selling stuff they you know you know you could pay a little bit for the autograph or the picture or whatever and you know i was over the moon to meet billy which is a really gracious sweet guy um but i was at started to talk to his wife brenda a bit and actually talked to her quite a bit more than billy just you know, Billy was busy meeting a lot of folks and she and I really resonated and we're just chatting. And at some point it, it might've come up in conversation that they'd been married something like over 50 years. Oh, wow. And so anytime, you know, through my life, especially after I'm my, yesterday was my 27th wedding anniversary. Oh, so. Congratulations. That's yeah. Cool. Thank you, man. I'm very blessed. My wife, Monica yeah. and I have been together that long. And so anytime I've ever met an older married couple that have made it you know it's like i always ask okay no knowing that there's no real answer to this but i love the i love the answers i get i said okay what's the secret to brenda you know she just she lowers her head she looks at me and she goes grace uh, and that was the title and, that, and i in that instant i i you know i knew i there was a world behind that word you know i knew what she meant because we're imperfect as human beings and it takes a lot of forgiveness and understanding on on both ends of any of any relationship, right? And uh, but it was a beautiful statement. And anyway, it was a, it was just a great hang. And I I went home that night, and that that tune. It's kind of wrote itself. Forgot that. Brian Wilson, actually, when you think about it, that, <laughs> yeah. that little bit right there is a bit, is a bit Brian. But yeah, so but in that the, the song actually sat for quite a while. And um, fast forward to you know, mentioning the Electric Truth record, it all came about because I I reached out to Josh Smith, a great guitar player, and I. Like everybody else was, you know, seeing his his clips of his band on YouTube, and I, you know, saw some a variety of videos. I just reached out to him somehow. I don't know how I got his number, but just to say, hey, man, I want to tell you, I'm such a big fan, really digging your playing, and and uh, he said, yeah, man, well, we should we should hang, we should record something. I just finished my studio, yeah, and and because I, you know, was getting to know him a little bit just telephonically, it it, it wasn't the kind of guys like, hey, man, let's get together, you know, dude. 
mm-hmm. it did it wasn't LA at all. It was it was, you know, it was it was the real deal. And I could tell and I thought, that's a great idea. I'd love to do that. And we quickly just, you know, found a time that you know it was going to be a, a few months later. You know, I could I was going to be out for the NAM show in uh, January of 2020. So, you know, I, I I started kind of writing some tunes, some some telecaster, you know, type things because I was being influenced by Josh a little bit. Like the EWF tune is was well, it's telecaster because of Al McKay Jr. It was Earth, Wind and Fire kind of thing. But we just um, you know, found a um a few t- few tunes that he dug that I'd already written and we we kind of co-wrote some things over the phone and through emails. Yeah. And just got together and basically we did the record in two and a half days. Um, and we had about a day to go of overdubs to for to finish up. And of course, I was gonna come back in March. Um, and of course, March 2020, nobody went anywhere. Yeah, right. So Anyway, it, but, but it was such a happy, just kind of serendipitous thing where I just, because of, I just reached out to this guy that I was really digging and mm-hmm. and wanted to just express my gratitude and affection. He's like, well, yeah, man, you know, and it just kind of established this friendship. And postscript, Bonamassa is going to be in town tomorrow. And Josh is coming in overnight on, on the tour bus. I'm going to pick him up. And there's this barbecue place he wants to go to in Fort Worth <laughs> called Goldie's. Oh, yeah. I've been there. I'm going to pick him up like it. I'm no, no exaggeration. It's going to be like six or seven in the morning, depending, because you got to, you got to go, you got to, you got to wait in line because yeah. they're only open for two days a week from 11 to two. <laughs> so he's like, this is like a thing that he's been wanting to do. So he's, he told me he was going to Uber. I said, dude, I will come get you. I will pick you up. I will be your. I'll be your Uber man. So uh, who knows what will come out of tomorrow's hang? But uh, if, if nothing else, we'll have some tasty, some tasty lunch in Fort Worth. You know. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, those are usually the the uh, encounters that uh, are the greatest currency in life. You know, all the things, all the accolades, and wonderful, yeah, amazing, financial remunerations are awesome. But those kind of contacts that end up being. Yeah. Friends and yeah, for sure. But wait, wait, wait! You, 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 you're getting paid. What is this remuneration thing? <laughs> yeah, well, and, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. There's money. Yeah. yeah. Now that that was, I remember my first my first gig um, when I was 13. It was my own eighth grade graduation dance, and my older brother Brian had a brother. Uh, he had a friend that was, you know, his age, so like four years older than me. He was a drummer. And he had this gig coming up, and it was to be this graduation dance. Happened to be my own eighth grade graduation dance, but he didn't have a band. He had a bass player, but needed a guitar player. And my my, my brother goes to Glenn and says, "Hey, you know, my brother's been sounding pretty good in the bedroom. Maybe get him to play." And so they hired, you know, they I, they got me in the band. I'm 13. He said, "Oh yeah, and you'll get paid twenty five dollars." I'm like, "What? This is yeah. there's money. There's money. I've been, you know, I've been paid a lot less many times since then. But uh, <laughs> anyway, there's like it, 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 some gigs do pay a little bit. You know, who knows? Yeah, so, there's still potential. But you know, I, 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 I'm being silly, but take taking to heart, yes. You know, when you cross paths with certain people that you know you do feel an affinity with, and it's not based on any particular. I didn't have an agenda. You know, when I reached out to Josh, it, it it turned into something that was, you know, hopefully a lot of fun for both of us. It was, you know, we had a great time and and people uh, you know, seemed to enjoy that record. And I, I would never have done it. That was kind of the thing that we that I wanted, you know, when we got the idea to, for me to come out there to course and look, I'd love this not to be I don't want it to be my band. I don't want to produce. I just want to come out and play and you produce you ch- you choose the players because i always dug whoever he was working with and they all there was always a really nice organic thing happening with the guys that he was always playing with so, man you choose the guys let's just do this you know and, th- and that was liberating for me it took some pressure off in some ways but it was an it was a lovely different pressure because you know i'm i'm usually producing or co-producing with my bass player mike dane and for my own stuff but here now in the room is this other incredible guitar player. So you, you're, you know, you're on a little different behavior, I think, you know, and you're, yeah. but it's a good, it's a good, it's a good thing to have the energy in the room. And there, you know, and as him, I would say we co-produced it, but he was really kind of at the helm and there would be times where he would have ideas. Hey man, try this. Fucking great. Yeah. I, I like that. That's cool. Dude. Get me out of my comfort zone, you know, maybe go in places that maybe I wouldn't have gone. Um, so that was, that was really cool. And I hope we get to do some more of it in the future, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it seems like it was a 
very organic, not a not a labored thing, just a really fun. I mean, it was a hang, you know, yeah, yeah. pushed in a creative way. But sure. it's a fun, I mean, looking back on that, you'll always remember. Besides having a great body, a great album, yeah, the experience of doing it. That's that's when it it's was. A- it was fun, and I hadn't really. Well, I'd recorded some, in in I guess I'd recorded in L.A. with, uh, with Simon Phillips for some of his solo records. Uh, but it was nice to get in with a room full of cats, you know, and these were, these were heavy hitters, you know, Travis Carlton on bass, you know, good Lord, no pressure there with a dad like Larry. And he's a great player in his own right. And Darren Johnson on keyboards, who had worked with Miles and, and a variety of other amazing players. And, you know, um, yeah, just, just really, really enjoyed working with everybody in the room. It was fantastic. Yeah. I, uh, I think I have almost all of your recordings, but the one that really was the most meaningful, I, I had just moved to to Dallas and I was commuting back and forth uh, to Cincinnati to do the Pink Floyd shows. Oh, wow. I, I hadn't established my teaching business and, and uh, I opened up a gu- uh, guitar school right down from Tolbert's where you guys. Oh, yeah. And um so in the evenings, uh, I would just, you know, after teaching, you, the last thing you would think you'd want to do is play more guitar, but I would transcribe and I just um, mm-hmm. just discovered the the, the Sgt. Pepper record. Oh, wow. Yeah. All of them were immaculate, <laughs> fantastic, but she's leaving home just, <laughs> that one made me weep when I heard it for the first time. I was wow. like, oh, well, that's, man, that's, thank you. It captured absolutely that was that was the one that i think was the one i labored over more than any other because of that feeling it was the only it was and and i think brian wilson is part of this it was the only beatles tune that would ever get me to that point of emotion you know it was later in life when you realize the sentimentality and the meaning of the lyric but you can you know he's clearly a uh getting into that that emotional thing you know um and so it, it, it every arrangement on the record I, I spent quite a bit of time with but that one for sure i really wanted to try to capture what the tune had given had given me and so if, if, if i've passed that on then then i then i, I guess a mission a mission accomplisher and it's just such a beautiful it's just such a beautiful tune with, with all these things it was just it was kind of a hobby for a bit i just wanted to see if I could, if I could play the tunes, you know, cause I'd, I'd already been dabbling in some Beatle arrangements. I was doing strawberry fields with my band, but I, I, I never thought of, Hey, let's, let's do a whole record of Beatles stuff or let's, you know, certainly not do the whole Sgt. Pepper record. That seems kind of insane. Uh, but it just kind of morphed into that with some encouragement from a friend in Italy that said, well, we should do some more Beatles the next tour or, or do a whole night of Beatles. Right. Uh, and at first I was just like, no, oh, there's, there's no way I could do that. But then, well, what if I, you know, what if I just, you know, just started dabbling as a hobby. And that's when, you know, eventually Lucy in the sky and well, what if I could do the whole record? Yeah. Anyway. So, but very thankful to have gone through the process and, 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 and thankful that I finally had the courage to release it. Cause it, that, that went back and forth many times throughout. Once I had started, you know, had got the basic tracks done, you know, about half of them, I kept the tracks that I did live with the, with the trio. And the other half, I had to kind of rework how I was doing it just to improve either the performance or the tuning. There was a lot of issues with the guitar in general, right. As we know, um, so I, I spent a lot of time, but I really wasn't sure along the way, multiple times, whether it's going to work or not. You know, um, but again, I think, but I, and I couldn't, I couldn't have gotten it to that point had I not already done the resolution record the way I'd done that. In that, yeah, you know, was that that whole record also was just one guitar, bass, and drums. Yeah. Had I not gone through that process and kind of figuring out ways of playing, you know, chord. Kind of chord melody things, not quite jazz, but it, you know the same ultimate goal, representing the song in the best possible way, melody and harmony. So it was, it was all part of that, uh, just growth, I guess, as a player and, and just pu- trying to push myself. And that's what the resolution record was, kind of a turning point for me, where 
I kind of threw away the way we'd been doing all the records and rhythm guitars, double this. And, you know, that was a nice uh, catalyst, I should say. Yeah. It was uh, obvious that of your love and reverence for the Beatles, but it was just the, you took a lot of care in the arrangement and just the way that you're going about representing everything. Cause it was all there was fully formed. It was lovely. (laughs) I didn't marvel at the intonation because uh, you know, as we know with guitar, you know, thirds and that kind of stuff in certain parts yeah. of the yeah. be just a bitch to keep that stuff in tune. And, and if you've got a bar that's moving at all. Um, yeah. I, at I, that I, point, yeah. At that point, my bar would not have been moving. It, it is barely moving now. Like on this, on this main 1800 that I've had for so long. That just, yeah. just about a half step on that G string. So just enough. And I really like having that little bit, uh, but I, I don't think, I could have done it if, but at that point it was on the deck, no, no doubt about it. But yeah, I, I tried everything. I, you know, the, the fan or true temperament frets, the fuzzy feet. And, and a lot of those things are cool and may fix certain things, but it's not, there's no perfect solution except learning how to accommodate. Yeah. I, was, I remember having standing, I had the, 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 the pure joy and blessing of standing next to Tommy Emmanuel while he was sound checking one day in Dallas, he invited me to come out and, I was on the side of the stage. Andy, come here, come here. I want you to stand here. I want you to hear what I'm hearing, you know, because he had this lovely AER amps and his monitors, and it was truly one of the most gorgeous um, tones. Of course, if you know Tommy, it's just what just probably the greatest musician you know I've ever encountered. And um, and I was, I was yelling at him while I was playing. You've got auto tune in your fingers, man. <laughs> and he goes, You've got it too, man. You know, and I think along the way, you know, Eric Johnson. Uh, Joe Cetriani, you know, different players and different types of things. But both, you know, there's there's certain players out there that really, really play in tune. And, you know, the more the more experience you get, there, there's ways of cheating, you know, along the way with how you're fingering things, how you're fretting things and compensating within or even cheating the tuning. Like, if you know, you got to figure out, well, I might have to flatten that B string for this this song because of the, these things that aren't quite right. So you figure that out along the way. Um, but boy, it makes a huge difference. And whether the whether the listener's ear is is that attuned, so to speak, to that phenomenon, I think they feel it. If if it is or isn't, you right. know, that that type of intonation. And but I yeah, I again didn't take it lightly. My my engineer who who did a lot of the guitar uh, overdubs for Rob Wexler, I used to have the the uh, Spurzel tuners on the on this old uh, Ibanez. And uh, one day we decided, well, that those are things, the ratio was 12 to 1. I'd heard these Godos were 16 to 1. And that made a big difference, you know. So uh, he, he <laughs> I remember the day he, he he did the reinstallation. He was drilling out screws that were breaking off. And it was a little harrowing. But we were, we were willing to do anything, you know, um, just to try to get things sounding better. And so it was a lovely process to go through. But boy, still, I mean, still tuning is always going to be. An issue, but you learn along the way how to kind of compensate. Yeah, the um, we're we're the beneficiaries of your uh, dedication to to tone and to uh, intonation, and just inspiring us with your playing. And the uh, the one thing uh, that I always marveled at is your delay sound. And uh, yeah. having, having picked up a. Halo pedal myself. Well, they that that there's there's your key right there. That 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 echo is the culmination of many years of yeah. just being a fan of that kind of sound. You know. Uh, yeah, but I, I hope I hope you dig it. I hope you're digging. Oh, I, I love it quite a bit. I use um, I use two delays a lot of times for. Yeah. Well, that's a David Gilmore thing, right? David Gilmore thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that, and that is a bit of what got me on the path of the dotted eight quarter thing was when, where I was working with Simon Phillips, um, you know, cause at that point I was probably just using my single, you know, around four seventy five delay and, Oh, let's, you know, here, I've got this delay set up as I learned this from David Gilmore. I guess he'd worked with him on, you know, the, uh, white city record, probably other things. Simon's done so much. And when I heard that, I went, Oh, I love this. <laughs> so I guess it all comes from, from yeah. David. But then the the modulated thing too, you know, along the way with the right EP three that's just 
just out of tune just enough. And then my, then I was using the the memory the deluxe memory man electro harmonics, which had you know a modulation available on the repeats, which is the key. Now you don't you don't want the chorus guitar a la Andy Summers. You want replicating that out of tune repeat and what that can do. You know. Uh, and then I, which I replicated really, really well for quite a while with the Strymon. I always called it like 91 or 90, 92% of what I was hearing, you know. Um, but when I was, and it was thanks to Daniel Steinhardt, when I was, you know, wanting to find somebody that, you know, would, would collaborate with me to, to get to that place that I was really hearing that I was wanting something that the Strymon was great, but it was so complicated and did a thousand things and I needed one or two sounds. And, uh, Without flinching, is a Robert Keeley. He's the guy. And we were at a NAM show, and he took me over and introduced me to Robert. He goes, that sounds like a great idea. You know, As things go, it took a couple of years to get around to really working on it. But once we did start working about a year and a half of, of complete dedication to, to getting it right. And the beauty is, is that uh, the Keeley folks are in Oklahoma City, which is, is just three hours away north from, as you know, since you lived in this area, three three hours north. So it wasn't a matter of, you know, sending me, here's the latest mock-up. What do you think of me trying to communicate? Oh, well, you know, it needs more air, <laughs> whatever. We could be in the room every single time together. You know, we would, uh, we'd have these sessions. They, they drove here six different times. I drove up there six different times to be in the room, to feel when it was right. Not only here, but really kind of get to the core of all the like the best of all we we listen to all my different echoes the 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 old tapes you know the old heart you know memory men if that's the plural memory man's memory men um the strime and how i was using that and at every at every juncture you know we'd, we'd change things and like oh that's better but uh we, we're losing something here but for them to want to be willing to go through that yeah you know like like I've done with you know my you know, Mike Dane recording me or Rob Wexler, when we've made those decisions to like, are we going for okay or or this has to be great, you know? So there was no way I was going to start using even to to have a signature piece of gear. It's never about oh hey I've got my name on something. Let's hope this sells, you know. It's it genuinely has to be something I want to use. So I'm going to take the Strymon off the board and not use my other things. It's got to be as good, but we wanted it to just to to be better, you know. And again, for what what I was wanting to hear, you know, this was all selfish. Again, you know, <laughs> like all these things. A lot of the, the Pepper record wasn't. I wasn't thinking commercial success. It was this is what I really in my heart want to do. I want to work hard to get it. And so that pedal, you know, very very. Thankfully, it's gone on to to sell a few, you know, a few echoes, let's just say. But it was all completely selfish. This is just what I wanted. I want this this one pedal to do. And it does a, a nice variety of things, quite honestly. But I'll use two sounds all night with my with an expression pedal. But that that basic halo sound, the dotted eighth quarter, the modulations really incredibly well tuned in. Um, that's all I need. But I set up a slap. And then we've got the other types of uh, ratios, you know, the Tom Scholes ratio or the Hank Marvin Apache, you know, a couple of extra things or some single delays for that type of thing. And it does it amazingly well. But my sound, you, you have no no guesswork. You you plug it in, you know, patch 1A, that's what I'm using. No no exception. That's exactly what I use. So yeah. that, uh, that's brilliant. So, but kudos to those guys for going through it and not being frustrated. Like the, their, their passion were equal to mine if not even more so so to have that uh, collaborative relationship was again thanks to daniel going out oh, you know robert's your guy let me introduce you great couldn't have tried to plan it it just, just was this organic thing most of the great things like you were mentioning earlier most of the great things in life tend to be that way you know yeah. some kind of magic you know very generous guy i was doing a series of these clinics called uh, David Gilmore Academy thing. Oh, wow. Okay. In fact, they do the Floyd stuff. Nice. A pair of uh, the Keeley dark side pedals. Oh yeah. Incorporating that into, and so that, that was, and we had only met through like a mutual, but he was so kind and so thoughtful and his love and enthusiasm yeah. for all things guitar is just contagious. What a beautiful guy. So that was a very, I, 
couldn't agree more. Yes, and much love to, to to Robert and the the whole the whole team. You know, Aaron Aaron Pierce, his right hand man, Aaron Tackett. Uh, yeah, just so many great components of that that whole company. But yeah, of course, it starts at the top. Robert's got that the heart and the and the passion. But everybody there does. You know, and that, again, it was it was largely Aaron Pierce and Robert and I in a room that got the Halo to where we you know, were hoping to get it. But I like no the the dark side. That's the one that's got that that's got the fuzz in it, right? Yeah, it's got the fuzz. And that's one of my that's one of my favorite fuzzes, actually. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. It's, it's cool. Right on, right on. I use that for a part of echoes for a fuzz bit, but I also do. I don't think I ever use one pedal. I'm I've, I've got uh, hmm. many gain stacking things going on to try to. Sure. I use that with the. the one of the old BK Butler tube drivers that, uh, yeah. uh, but anyway, we could, we could, yeah. <laughs> I need, I need, I need, I need to go to your Gilmore school. That sounds fun. Here forever. The one thing I'm super excited about, it seems to me like you're launching a, uh, a new course. Oh, it's completely on the certain. And I don't know a lot about it yet. I haven't done my research, but it seems like completely different from the approach that the typical, yeah, trying to bring out parts of your your inner musician creatively through being expressive, less about the nuts and bolts of arpeggios and. Uh-huh. But well, there's there's plenty and there's plenty of of uh, you know educational stuff about about those mechanics. And I'm a, as I was saying, when I get up in the morning, I'm 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 finding stuff to work on, and I get massively inspired by so many of the players and teachers out there. But this was this this another thing that came about very organically. I was going over to Italy to do a couple of weeks of uh, concerts and master classes, and uh, a good friend of mine, Chi Romano, is a great guitar player, was setting all this up. And uh, we literally had like one day off in this whole two week span. And he asked me, you know, my my friend Thomas Carlosante, I've done some some um, you know instructional videos for him. He wants you he wants you to record something for him. I'm like, oh man. Well, we've got the one day, but you know, what am I going to do? Well, what have I got? And uh, and it was actually Thomas that came up with the idea. Well, what about you know? Because he talked to, he's got a, these really young, great you know musicians that work with him as his video and recording team. And so, well, you know, we we all talked about it. What we love about your playing, Andy, is that we love that you you tell a story. Yes. So I, so he came up with the, with the idea of the art of guitar storytelling. And at first I was like, oh man, that's a pretty lofty thing to say, not much less. But then I got excited about it. It was like, wait a minute. Okay. This is something that I haven't heard many people really speak to. And that got me interested and that got me like, okay, let me see what, and this, this is happening within three weeks. <laughs> it's like, so what, okay. I had to come up with a concept and, and the, the, the overriding ideas, but but Thomas and I, we we quickly once we once we met in uh, in Naples when I first came over on that trip, we realized oh we really we got on well and there was so many this life philosophies that we seemed to really resonate with, and it just made it easy for so this course it's called the Art of Guitar Storytelling I think it launched maybe it's been a couple of months now but um, I'm suppose we can we can give people links but I'm really proud of it because. He provided an atmosphere where I could very just comfortably sit like we're talking now. And uh, I had I had a basic outline, but it's really me communicating in real time about all kinds of different things from motivic development and time and tone and kind of where where my melodic direction and sense comes from. And I try to, you know, just kind of illuminate that in, in the most uh, uh, direct an expressive way to, to try to inspire and, and help people bring that, that out of themselves. And uh, now I'm really, really proud of it. So I appreciate you bringing that up. I, I, I do. I'm not the best, best self-promotion guy, but I'm, now that you brought it up, it's like, yeah. And it's, and he's a guy that, you know, his, uh, his company is called music easer, M U S I C double E Z E R music easer. And uh, there's website is music off, but it is a very well-known, uh, web presence in it in Italy, but he's obviously branching out into to worldwide stuff now. And so I was very proud to be a part of that with him. And uh, yeah, so we'll see. Well, I have I have uh, I, stemming from that type of teaching, I have a lot more ideas of of maybe some projects we can do in the future. So who knows? 
Yeah. I, I, I think the difficulty for a lot of, for any guitar player in this day and age, is there's so much stuff online yeah. that serves to intimidate right. and feel like, oh my God, if I can't play like Tosa Nabasi. <laughs> yeah, right. Whomever that might be the, with the yeah. technical facility, but the yeah. thing about this course is it sounds to me like something about getting your creativity out and not thinking about anything necessarily ridiculously fat. If you're right. playing a lap steel guitar, you could use those same concepts. If you're playing it's you know, a lyrical player, a call and response mentality of building what you're playing now is a result of what came before it. What you're about to play is based predicated on what you're playing at the moment. It's a lot of, yeah, it's tying in a lot of lifestyle. It's tying in a lot of just how I am as a person and how I function in the world is very, you know, uh, similar to how I play music. You know, it's, it's all kind of the same stuff. And I agreed, you know, if you watch Tosin or, you know, Jack Gardner or Nick Johnson, there's so many, you know, so many wonderful players that I, I'll go check out. Yeah. It would be easy to go, oh, man, why, why even bother? But I, again, what I, what I spoke to earlier in that, you know, realize, realizing at a certain point, okay, I'll never get to the place where I, I want to be or think I, I could be. But if I realize if I'm, if I'm working towards it, consistently if i'm if i'm trying on the daily basis to to improve at least honoring whatever gift i have then that's success that you know just being the best possible john you can be being the best possible andy i can be we don't have to be anybody else and like you 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 complimented me greatly earlier by saying you'll hear my influence but but somehow it's me i couldn't have tried to do that it was it was only natural from my love of all these people that have played and come before me or currently you know and 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 loving and absorbing what i can and then david bowie said that the best about his his own career he says i'm not particularly innovative i'm i'm a collector yeah and he yeah i love these things and i'm taking what i love and it comes out as me the beatles were the same they took american rock and roll and 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 motown and came out as them they but they were very sometimes very very directly taking you know but there you go you know it's we we are a product in a lot of ways of what's come before us but then how we distill it well when you take warmth of the sun until i die well that's a massive foundation for you you know if, if that's been ingrained in a certain way um that will make you once you once you combine that with David Gilmore and all the things that you've gotten into from seventies radio, you know that's going to be original. That's going to be very unique to you because it's what you, what you loved in your heart, you know. And so, you know, if if we're the type of player that you know, only listens to maybe one genre or or only listens to Stevie Ray, which is you know I'll, I'll never be able in a million years play like that. I love it. Uh, you know, I might t- get a bit from it. And, and if your goal is to to be, you know, an SRV cover band, then that's there's nothing wrong with that. There, that's a, a wonderful aspiration. But you know, for those that that enjoy the variety of things, you know, and it's going to eventually, you know, you can't help but be you. In your physiology, everybody's fingers are going to sound different. You know, the way you learn to produce tone out of the instrument, it's a lifelong thing. But some some guys when you look at Eddie Van Halen's and certain players are just so so obviously had a sound and an identifiable personality early on that yeah they were taken from certain things but they boy they caught fire at an early age and just through their brilliance you know established such a unique sound and tone Pat Metheny you know once he got into those early ECM recordings man unmist- unmistakable you know you hear that sound and just go well that's Pat. <laughs> it's better to be inspired and moved and just try to find your own thing and just be a, I think there's so many people that love your playing but the, for the people that the people that uh, the world class players that all speak about you yeah. obviously love your playing but they love you as a person like, oh, and, <laughs> and well, that, that's the uh, most important thing it's great to be oh, thank you, man. But the, the way people refer to you Hmm. Uh, and the esteem that uh, 
in the guitar community for fans and, and your contemporaries. They all speak of you with great love and admiration as a human being. So that's, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm humble. I'm trying to think of stupid things to say, but I'll just say thank you. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's hard. It's sometimes it's hard to take a that yeah. thing, but no, it's, you know, it's, it's it, bringing is my son, my, my son, who's now 19 along the way, you know, he would see me interact with people, you know, maybe publicly or at the groceries, like, dad, did you know that person? I said, no, just, just smiling, saying, Hey, you know, I said, buddy, it's not that hard. Just treat yeah. people the way you want to be treated. Be nice. You know, just smiling at somebody, especially these days, man, people are going through stuff. We've all been, we, the world has history of what we've always been going through stuff, but things seem particularly, um, you know, rife with di division and whatnot, but man, at the core, we're human beings that just really want that, that connection, yeah. you know, of, of kindness. And it's, and it's, it's not that hard. So if I'm thought of in that way, you know, from my, from my, my, my friends and peer group and any fans along the way, I mean, yeah, that's, that is to me the most important thing, you know, it's well, just being a, being a kind human being, you know? Yeah. Oh. When when we wrap this up, I'll walk into the other room. My wife has her office, and I'll yeah, and I'll say to her, "Can you believe it? <laughs> she she's seen this date circled on the calendar. Oh man! It's like if I if I did no other one, and not to put you on the spot oh, here, but I'm like he's uh -huh. a guiding light for us all, and just such oh, a great guy. And I've Thank met him once or twice. I met you at Tolbert's once when I was talking to Nick, and you told me okay. about. Your Affinity for Grippo's potato chips. <laughs> Cincinnati. That would be the thing I would bring up about Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati. Folks, if okay, that and, and what I love about Grippos is that they're not nationally distributed, but now of course with Amazon. Go get you if you're a barbecue chip fan, G-R-I double P-O apostrophe S Grippos Barbecue. It, you will not be disappointed. It is easily the best barbecue chip. Yeah, because uh, when we met, you were you were playing bass in that surf band, and uh you guys were on a break, and I was talking to Nick and he introduced me and said, where are you from? And I said, yeah, from Cincinnati, but I've just recently moved here. I'm right down the street. And you go, Cincinnati, Grippo's barbecue chips. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I mean, what's on my mind? Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me that, yeah, that, I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's a, that's a pretty big, I mean, we get <laughs> Skyline Chili and Skyline Chili. Montgomery. Which I haven't, I haven't had Skyline yet, believe it or not. Every time I've been to Cincinnati, just doesn't, when you're traveling, you're not really sure if you, that's what you want to go grab, but you know. I will eventually next baby next time. Well, again, thank you. Besides being an incredible conversationalist, a, a wonderful musician, you just this as wonderful as they come. It's everything I had hoped. It takes two, my friends, and we persevered today. People don't know that we we, uh, we were having trouble connecting with our technology and whatever. But I see this will there'll be some masterful editing, and, yeah. and then my power went out. Your power had gone out. You know, it's like, all right. but yeah. We made we made it work, and I'm honored that you invited me. So, man, you know, hopefully we'll do it again sometime. And so the Rangers, world champions. I know. I, who you know? Okay, so I'm a fair weather fan, you know, and I, I wouldn't have I'd even been aware that they were having a good season, to be honest. But of course, when I found out, oh, playoffs, yeah, I'll, I'll start watching that. So it was very exciting, you know, seeing them go through with what they did uh, with the Astros and then the Diamondbacks. Well, it was very exciting because I, I was a big baseball kid before. I had to, I had to when I was in eighth grade. That's when I, because I was playing little league and whatnot, and I was you know a pretty decent ball player. It was like uh, keep playing baseball or get a job, and so I could afford to buy records and save up for guitar stuff. So that was that was that was the my fork in the road at that point in my life. But I loved baseball. I collected baseball cards like a lot of kids in the sixties and seventies, and so still 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 love the sport. Just don't keep up nearly as much with the. Pro sports these days, but enjoy enjoyed the I enjoyed the uh you know the season finales basically. You know, I watch I watch the uh, playoffs and Super Bowls and whatnot, and I watch the Cowboys. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to be a Cowboys fan around here or any other place, but I've been <laughs> 2013 and man, it's yeah. I get more grief about wearing any <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm gonna like the Chiefs as well, I gotta say. I've been a Mahomes, Mahomes fan, but uh, you know. Anyway, but all, all good stuff, and uh, it's just like like any, like if you to watch the Olympics too is the same thing. When you when you recognize you know people that have gone and spent their lives dedicated to 
trying to be, you know, great at what they do. It's, it's hard not to be inspired by that, you know, and uh, letting that uh, spill over into your, your musical uh, endeavors. It's, it's always good to be reminded of people that that work, that, that work that hard, you know? Well, I hope you have a lovely weekend in McKinney. And uh, thank you, thank. You. Well, I'm going from, like I say, I'm taking Josh Smith the barbecue in Fort Worth at about seven in the morning. So I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> All right, man. Great talking to Andy. Thanks, John. Great talking to you too, man. Let's uh, let us do it again sometime. Yeah, right? I'll send you an email just to get some links for things. Yeah, absolutely. Once I have a basic uh, format. I'm trying sure. to do all of season three together, and it looks like we're probably going to end up with around 15 or 20 episodes. Oh, awesome, awesome. Well, congrats, man. That's that's freaking awesome. It, yeah, and the folks uh, couldn't have been sweeter. It's uh, Dave Gregory from XTC, who's Dan. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I've met Dave. I named Ned Ebbett and plays the glass guitar. That's uh, He and Joe Satriani have a company together. Ned does all of his animation. For- oh, I don't know. I don't know that guy. Yeah, I'll send you some links to his stuff. Dweezil Zappa next week. Uh, Tomo Fajita. Fajita, however you pronounce it. Yeah, I think it's it's Fajita, but I could be wrong. Tomo's a sweetheart. I I love Tomo so much, man. He's a good, he's another, he's a force for good. That's for sure. Jennifer Batten, uh, Mike. uh, Just some other really super, super cool folks. And uh, it, The 14-year-old kid in me is just ecstatic to be able to do something like this. It's like um, to talk to your heroes and for them to be lovely human beings. It's, well, it, it's 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 pretty amazing. And, and most most of the folks you'll encounter, you know, there's a reason that they're able to to do this for a living. You know, it's, it's usually because they know how to treat people and they're good to folks. Maybe not 100%, but, you know, 99.9, you know. <laughs> we're, we're, we're blessed, you know. I, I Carl Verheyen was one of the first ones. And he said, well, when you do talk to Andy, give him my best. He said, he's uh, a fabulous person. Great. Right, well, Carl, Carl as well, man. What an incredible player. So very, very much so. Happy anniversary to you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. 27. I said, looking forward to the next 27. We're going to keep going. I like right. it. Have a lovely weekend, man. Well, hello to your wife as well. And you guys have a great one, man. Thank you, John. Bye. Enjoy it, buddy. Thank you, man. Thank you for tuning in to the Guitar Hang Podcast, interviews with noteworthy guitar players from around the world. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button and ring the bell for notifications to stay updated on our latest episodes.